0: Good morning everybody, my name is Tobias and it's a privilege for me to share the Word of God with you this morning. I'm married, I have three daughters, and we live in Ihocheski Krai, where we have our ministry. Um, First, I would like to pray, and after the prayer I would like to dive into the Word of God with you, and at the end of the service, in the chat, I am prepared to share a little bit more about our personal story and I'm looking forward to hear about yours. But before we start listening to the Word of God, let us first pray shortly. Thank you, Father God, for your Word. Because your Word is a double-edged sword and it shows what is good and what is evil. And in this world where we are living in, there's so much confusion. It can be so hard to discover truth or lies, but your word is the same. It's alive, it's active, and when we open it, we need your Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, and to give us new vision for today, for tomorrow, for this year. We need your blessing. Help us to listen. Help me to speak so that all of us will be encouraged this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jesus had just come back from a few days without his disciples. He had met his disciples again, and they were excited, because Jesus gave them a task to do. They were about to share the gospel, heal the sick, Cast out demons. They came back. They wanted to share their stories with Jesus. But it was not possible. Because they were sitting together. The Bible tells us there wasn't even time to eat. Because so many people gathered. They wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to talk to Jesus. They wanted to hear his teachings. So Jesus says, we don't even have time to eat. So let's go somewhere else. So they went to the boats. They stepped into the boats. they set off for a quieter, a remote place. But the crowd didn't let them go. Finally they discovered where Jesus was going, so they went by foot and they went ahead of Jesus and the disciples. So when Jesus came to this more remote place, the people were already waiting for him. Jesus saw these people and the Bible tells us that he was full of compassion because he saw sheep without the shepherd, and he started to teach them. But Jesus didn't think about a time. He was speaking and speaking and speaking, and the disciples started to worry because it was later and later and later. So some of the disciples went to Jesus and told him, Jesus, it's getting late. We are in a remote place, and here is no shop. Where should these people get their dinner? And we know the story. Jesus gets five pieces of bread, two fish, he prays, he breaks it, everybody gets fed, and then at the end, the Bible tells us that the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish, 12 basketfuls. Two chapters later, Jesus is going to the other side of the lake. And the other side is not just a phrase in the Bible, it's a completely different world. Because on the other side of the lake was a region called Decapolis. And in this place, or in this region, there lived all the Canaanite tribes, the seven Canaanite tribes that were removed by Joshua and his army in the Old Testament. Here lived. All these seven tribes with difficult names, Hibites and Perizzites and Jebusites, seven tribes. And in this place, there were lots of pagan rituals, and the pig was a sacred animal. So going to the other side was a revolution. Because what should a Jewish rabbi do on the other side, among pagans? But Jesus is going there. And we know from the story what he's doing there. He's healing the sick. He's teaching them the word of God. And in the end, he feeds 4,000. Again, bread and fish. And by the end, when everybody has had enough, the disciples gather seven basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. So, what does that mean? On one side of the lake, 12 basketfuls of broken bread and fish. And on the other side, two chapters later in Mark, seven basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. What is Jesus doing? He is confirming and fulfilling the blessing of Abraham. So now you might think, what? Jesus is just breaking bread and fish? All right, it's a miracle. But what has Abraham to do with this? So let's turn to the Old Testament and let's read in Genesis chapter 12, the verses 1 to 3, what this blessing of Abraham is. So I read from the King James. So let's turn to the first book of the Bible, Genesis Verse 1, uh, sorry, chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. So there we go. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. One more time, this a very important last sentence. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is God's blessing for Abraham. But it's not only for him, it's for the nations. And this blessing, this Abrahamic blessing, consists of three things. The first part is the expectation of the Son. The second part is the blessing of the Son. The third part is the sacrifice of the Son. So first, let's look just shortly to what that means. expectation of the son. Because Abraham and Sarah could not get children, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 that Sarah was barren. She wasn't able to become pregnant. And still God uh, believes and also uh, promises them a son. It's impossible. It took 25 years from this blessing in chapter 12 till chapter 21, where Isaac was born. 25 years. And in those 25 years, the Bible tells us that God confirmed his promise three times. Three times in these 25 years. And then the Bible again tells us in Hebrews chapter verse 11 that although Abraham and Sarah could not have children because Sarah was barren Abraham was enabled to become a father because he considered God faithful this is the key he considered God faithful 25 years of waiting there was no reason for hoping," says Paul Sumer in one of his letters. But still, he had faith—faith faith beyond borders, beyond limitations of our physical world. He expected the sun. Then, in verse or in chapter twenty-one, Genesis twenty-one, after these five, 25 years. Isaac was born. The Lord was gracious with Sarah. Sarah became pregnant, she bore a son, and she says, she rejoices, and she says, God has been gracious to me, and he has filled me with laughter. And everybody who will hear about my story will laugh with me. Everyone, not just people from her tribe or her clan or whatever, no, everybody. And it's true, because let's turn to the New Testament in Romans chapter 4. Let's turn to Romans chapter 4, and then I'm reading from verse 18 to 25. So let's turn to Romans chapter 4 again, verse 18, and I finish the chapter. Abraham believed and hoped, even when I was no reason for hoping. And so he became the father of many nations. Just as the scripture says, your descendants will be as many as the stars. He was then almost 100 years old, but his faith did not weaken when he thought of his body, which was already practically dead. Or of the fact that Sarah could not have children. His faith did not leave him and he did not doubt God's promise his faith filled him with power and he gave praise to God he was absolutely sure that God would be able to do what he had promised that is why Abraham through faith was accepted as righteous by God the words he was accepted as righteous were not written for him alone they were written also for us who are to be accepted as righteous, who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from death. Because of our sins, he was given over to die, and he was raised to life in order to put us right with God. And here's the key for the third part of this blessing, the sacrifice of the Son, a blessing for the nations. Because the boy grew up, and when Isaac was in his 30s, the Lord told Abraham to go to bring him a sacrifice. He was not allowed to take a lamb, he must take his son, and of course Abraham must have wrestled with this when God told him that he had to sacrifice his only son, but he goes. The Lord tells him to go to the region of Moriah to a place, to a mountain that he will show him. And there they go Abraham, Isaac, a donkey with some wood and some other stuff that they probably need to prepare an altar. Some servants go with them and they set off. And after some time they reach this region. God tells him where to go. And there they were going, Abraham, around 130-something years old, his son, somewhere in his early thirties, carrying the wood of the sacrifice on his own bag, walking up this mountain. And scholars have even proved that this mountain is very likely the same, the same mountain as Mount Calvary. The place of execution where Jesus was crucified. And there they go. And we know what happened. God provided a real lamb. And God tested Abraham. And God was pleased that his son, Isaac, was not his first priority. But God, even after all these years, still Number one. This was again faith beyond borders. Because Abraham has told his son, God will provide a lamb. And it happened. So, again, because it's not so difficult for us to see the relation between Isaac and Jesus, again, the last three verses from Romans chapter 4. The words, he was accepted as righteous, were not written for him alone, no, they were written also for us, who are to be accepted as righteous, who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from death. Because of our sins he was given over to die, and he was raised to life in order to put his right with God. So. The blessing of Abraham is the expectation of the son, 25 years of waiting, then the son is present and then he is sacrificed as a blessing for the nations. So the words of these Abrahamic blessings were spoken approximately 4,000 years ago, but they are still true today not only for Abraham not only for the Israelites but for you and me all people on earth will be blessed through you A beautiful verse in Galatians it's Galatians chapter 3 verse 14 it says Christ this in order that the blessing which God promised to Abraham might be given to the Gentiles by means of Christ Jesus so that through faith we might receive the Spirit promised by God. So here Paul makes the connection between Abraham, Jesus and the Gentiles. So Let's turn back to the story of Jesus. The beginning of my sermon. Jesus breaks the bread. 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread were left. One basket for every tribe of Israel. And then two chapters later, Jesus is going to the other side of the lake, seven baskets full of broken bread. One basket for every tribe, the Canaanites, for every Gentile. And this is what Jesus is doing, fulfilling and confirming the blessing of Abraham, that he is there for all the nations, not only for Israel. And not only for the Gentiles, but for the entire world. And through faith, we will have a life. This is the blessing of Abraham, but it didn't stop there because there is a call for you and a call for me. And this starts in Acts. Just before Jesus is taken up to heaven, has a short conversation with his disciples. So a very well-known passage in the first chapter of Acts. And there are the disciples asking him a question just before he goes back to his father. And in chapter 1, verse 6, the disciples ask a very logical question. "Lord." Will you at this time give the kingdom back to Israel? We now might think, guys, you didn't understand it. Jesus did not come just for Israel. He came for the whole world. But Jesus doesn't blame them. Jesus knows that they were very, very Jewish, just as you are might be very Czech or I am very Dutch. Or some of you might be very American. We are all narrow-minded somehow, although we might not think we are. In fact, we are, and Jesus knows it. He doesn't blame them for this question, because they might be disappointed that Jesus didn't bring back the kingdom before his death. No, he died, and yes, he came back to life again. Of course, they are hoping that Jesus would remove the Romans. They're thinking about now. But Jesus has the bigger picture in mind. And he replies lovingly. He says, the times and occasions are set by my Father's own authority. So he doesn't deny the fact that it will happen. And it is not for you to know when they will be. But, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be filled with power, and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this were Jesus' very last words, and he ascended. The disciples, the disciples were maybe puzzled. What? What well, is our call? They had to wait for 10 days. The Holy Spirit came, and it takes 25% of the book, so chapter seven still in Jerusalem. There is only one hero who goes to Samaria in chapter 8. And then it takes another few chapters to chapter 15 in Acts that the disciples realize that they should not stay in Jerusalem but go to the world. It is in chapter 15 verse 14 that Jesus' brother James says, chapter 15, verse 14, listen to me, friends. Simon has just explained how God first showed his care for the Gentiles by taking from among them a people to belong to him. And then the disciples agree and they decide to appoint two people to go into the world to serve Christ among the Gentiles, Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas, Only two, the rest still stays in Jerusalem. And yes, we know from stories outside the Bible that Peter ended up in Rome, and that the Apostle, Thomas even went to India, I believe. So in the end, they shattered but it's so hard for them to grasp the message that Jesus didn't come to save the Jews only but that he came to save you and me just as was already prophesied in Genesis chapter 12 a blessing for the nations only through faith so this means that if you and me want to be a history maker, we must commit ourselves to be missionaries. And the word missionaries is very often misunderstood. It's uh, very often seen as a selected group of people who are very strong in faith and who believe that they can live without their money and their earthly possessions some kind of sayings. It's not true. Very often people come up to me and my wife and they say, yes, it's great what you're doing in the Czech Republic. We would not be able to do it. And I know they want to give us a compliment, but I always want to ask them, okay, you're not able to do it, but do you want it? Do you really want it? Because I'm not able to do what we are doing, but we have experienced that God enables us, because it's a matter of faith. And it's not only for a special people group, it's for anybody who has faith. Unfortunately, it's very often a small percentage throughout church history that steps out, that goes into the world to leave behind all our um, comfort, all our possessions, And focus on God and see where he leads. Not a single Christian has the right to not fulfill his calling to reach the world. And I have two very important questions for you to ponder. Are you sure that you are on the right place at the moment? Or are you wandering away? Second question, what possibilities do you have to show excellence in your work and your behavior to reflect Christ? Because if you know that you are in the right place, it can be in your everyday job, it can be wherever, but when you know that you are in the right place, you will experience God's power, you will experience that God will make a way in your normal job, maybe in your free time activities, the people you meet, time is short, people, and we live in difficult times. The Bible tells us that God will finish one day his covenant with Israel, it says it in, uh, in Romans chapter 11, but he will only do it until the number of Gentiles has come in Romans 11, 25. And I believe personally that this time is near. God is about to finish His covenant with Israel because the number of Gentiles has almost come in. The time is short. Through Bible apps, I know I read it that 97% of the world population has access to the Bible in their native or second language, 97%. So use your time wise, have faith beyond all borders. I can share you some stories. I can tell you some stories after the sermon, if there is time and I'm looking forward to hear some of you to encourage each other, that God has no limitations, and whatever's happening in the world, He will fulfill His plan. Please be be part of God's plan, so when He comes to pick us up, and then after it, finish His covenant with Israel. That when we are in heaven, all of us may hear God say to you and me, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with only a few things, but I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father God, for your word. It's a solid foundation. It is true from cover to cover. We probably do not understand anything, like everything I mean in your word. Some bits and pieces are still maybe hidden, but still we believe that it's your true word. Guide us, help us to not be distracted by what's going on in the world. It's so easy here, Lord, to get distracted from you, but we should look up to you. You are finishing your plan. You started it with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And through your word, through Jesus, now in our times, through us, you are still finishing this covenant with Abraham. Help us to focus on you and to really pray that you will show us the way you want us to go so that together we will work and we will share the gospel and show excellence for your name in Jesus name I pray amen